Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And Lynn, you and I have a really important topic today. I know one that's been on your heart for quite a while. So kick us off with what we're going to be looking at in today's episode. Yeah, this is something I completely did not understand when I was in performance-based religion. And as I began to decide I wanted to keep Jesus, but trying to figure out who he was and got into the Word of God, I realized, well, first of all, (laughs) a lot of the words that I used in performance-based religion were also used in the New Testament, but they weren't, they didn't have the same meanings. So what I thought faith meant I, that wasn't the meaning of it in the New <laughs> Testament. But yep. but he, the one we're going to talk about today is eternal life. Yes. So eternal life in my performance-based religion was very different and is very different from the, the eternal life of the New Testament that was taught by the apostles, right, and Jesus himself. So... We hope this is helpful to kind of help let you know, first of all, what performance-based religion is because the definition of eternal life in performance-based religion requires performance, requires works, but eternal life in the New Testament is very different from that. So I want to walk anyone in performance-based religion or anyone who's interested in folks in performance-based religion through what eternal life is in the particular performance-based religion that I came from. And these are all from their own sources, so not things that I have made up. Right. Right. It's all, and it's all from official sources, either scriptures or the official stuff that's being taught to people. And that's all our ministry uses. We only use LDS.org. Um, if you look at how they feel about their scriptures, it says that they're pure truth and they're utterly yes. reliable. So what is in Mormon scripture for a Mormon should should be believed by Mormons. But right. even if they don't believe it, it is scripture and their leaders do say that their scriptures are pure truth and utterly reliable. Right. So what does Mormon scripture say about eternal life? I'm going to turn first from the Pearl of Great Price to the third article of faith. We believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved. Well, that is, that's a true statement. Right. Right, Joel? Mm -hmm. Um, Although (laughs) you might have to figure out where the atonement happened. That's going to be different for Mormons and Christians. Mormons are uh, 
typically in the past have said that the atonement happened in the garden when Jesus sweat as if great drops, drops of, of blood, blood in yep. um, King James version of the Bible. But that basically is a true statement. Now here's the problem. The next part of that has a comma and adds to the atonement of Christ on the cross. Right. All mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Gospel in capital G, which is the LDS gospel right. to the LDS people. So here you go. You're saved by the atonement of Christ. Or through, actually through the atonement. Through, by obedience to the laws and the ordinances of the LDS gospel. And we're going to look at what those are, what those laws yes. and ordinances are. Because there's quite a few of them, actually, when oh, you start looking at the list. There are. There are. <laughs> I think um, most folks in the performance-based religion I came from are familiar with 2 Nephi 25-23. And often, yes. if you've encountered Christians, Christians often bring this verse up for we know it is by grace that we are saved and again that's a true statement yes, if up you to just there, put it's a like... period there and yet there's a comma after all we can do the idea that you have to do all you can if you've done enough God's grace will kick in at the end and save you now here's an interesting thing that's the exact same thing that Islam believes right Yes. That you do good works all of your life, and if you've done more good works than you've done bad works at the when end, things then get put Allah in the scale, may right. save he you. He may save you. And I think it's really help. I think it'd be helpful for people to understand. This is something you'll find in every performance-based religious group, where yes. you will have an initial affirmation of truth, of grace, of atonement, but there's always the comma. There's always the thing that's added, tagged on to the end, right. that totally twists it and makes it other. So we believe we're saved through the atonement. But then by our works, by the ordinances, um, we believe it's by grace that we're saved after all we can do. And so what I'd encourage people who are looking at this, if you're wondering if you're in a performance-based religion or not, something is, look for those little add-ons. Look for the conditions and the qualifiers. Christians would say Jesus plus. Right. Right. If it's Jesus plus, it's performance based. Right. Here is a definition of eternal life from my performance based religion that did rock my soul at one point when I read it. This is, um, well, this is from Spencer W. Kimball, who was prophet when I joined the Mormon church in the 70s. Yeah. He says, celestial life or eternal life may be had by every soul who will fulfill the requirements. So in other words, there's something that has to be done in order for you to earn eternal life. Right. And then he says, to know is not enough. One must do. Now... Christians are not against doing. Christians certainly oh, believe absolutely. Yes. that works are important, but works are not necessary in order to earn salvation. Right. And therein is a huge difference. Now, I'm going to 
talk a little more about eternal life. This is the LDS missionaries use a guidebook called Preach My Gospel. On page 70 of their guidebook, it defines eternal life in this way. Eternal life means to live forever as families in God's presence. Okay, now let's look at this for a minute. In LDS theology, how do you get to live with your family forever? Well, that requires, first of all, being worthy, <laughs> yes. earning a temple recommend, then going to the temple, then being sealed to a worthy spouse, right. and then returning to that temple and enduring till the end in good works so that you might be saved, right? right? And both both partners have to endure Abs till the end. Both partners yes. must remain worthy through their whole life. And if one falls short, then you're going to fall short of the highest heaven within the celestial kingdom, right? right? Because you, particularly for a woman like me, you need a male who's worthy in order to resurrect you. Right. Jesus himself does not resurrect someone who's LDS, according to LDS um, theology. And if you've been to the temple, you know that it is a worthy husband that uh, resurrects his wife and maybe another wife and maybe another wife. Now, this particular short definition to live forever as families in God's presence has that second part in God's presence. Okay. Right. Who's God in LDS theology? That would be heavenly father. So you have three heavens, right? In Mormon theology. Yep. The top one is for Heavenly Father. The middle one is for Jesus. The lower one would be for the Holy Holy Ghost. Spirit, yeah. the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. So if you want to live with God, because they're three separate gods, they have these three separate heavens. If you want to live with God and get to the top one, again, you have to go to a Mormon temple, right? right. Yep. And what... What does it require to go to a Mormon temple? If you've never read, Mike and I have a book called uh, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, a quick guide to doctrinal differences between Mormonism and the biblical word of God. In here, we go through the 14 temple recommend questions and go through all of the things that are necessary that you must do and earn, first of all, just to get a temple recommend. Right. And we should put a link to where they can pick up a copy of this in the show notes. So we'll reference this work um, in the show notes, the title of it, and even where they can get it. So Excellent. So remember in the third article of faith, it says you're saved by the laws and the ordinances of Mormonism. So those, most of those ordinances are going to happen in a Mormon temple, the ones required for eternal life. So, so let me just list a few of these. Yeah. <laughs> Baptism, for yourself and then for the dead, right? Laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, being confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you're male, receiving the priesthood, uh, Aaronic and then Melchizedek, 
you're going to receive washings and anointings. You're going to receive the garment of the holy priesthood. You're going to receive a new name. You're going to need to go through an endowment where you get instructions for the next life. You're going to be sealed in marriage for all eternity. And then the final and highest ordinances in a Mormon temple are just for a select few. That would be called the second anointing or uh, having your calling and election made sure. Now, these are just the ordinances we haven't even addressed. <laughs> Talk about the requirements the for even laws. getting in. Yes. Laws would be things like the living the word of wisdom, paying a tithe, um, living the law of chastity, which keeping is a law the, of moral purity, keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, keeping the law of the fast, obeying the prophet, keeping the Ten Commandments. They go on and on and on. Now, are these just suggestions? for LDS folks, or are these things that are required for eternal life? Well, they're required because if you're not keeping the laws, you're not going to be given a temple recommend. So if you're not paying a full 10% tithe... And you have to do it for at least a year in order to right. get it. It's not a you know one-time right. one thing. If you're not mm -hmm. living a morally pure, upright life, then your bishop or your stake president is not going to sign your temple recommend. You're not even going to be allowed into the temple to do all the ordinances that are required. So, yes, these are these are absolutely essential for the person to to gain eternal life. So I did. I would not have understood all of that when I was in performance-based religion because I didn't know what the alternative was. Right, and I was going to ask you. So how much it what. If you would have looked back, if someone would have came to you and said, when you're being faithful LDS, and you, I mean, you were worthy of all this, you'd been through the temple. If somebody had come to you and said, Lynn, you are just living performance-based religion. You are not depending on grace. You would have said, you're crazy. What are you talking I'm about? I'm saved by grace, yeah. right? I had no idea what workspace faith or performance-based religion was. Right because I didn't know the Bible. I didn't have a context for that. And yet the Bible hits against this, warns against this, is, yes. is not in the same camp. The interesting thing about biblical faith, right, is that it's salvation is grace-based. Yes. And there is no other religion that is grace-based. All right. other religions of man our works-based, Yes, yeah. There's always something that the person has to do themselves in order to merit, to be worthy of this eternal life in, in the presence of God or in the presence of Heavenly Father. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I wanted to do things because I believed in my God of Mormonism. I wanted to do these things to please my God. And yet, do you realize that if you think that something you do adds to eternal life or can earn you eternal life, that that lessens what Jesus did for you? Right. And here, this is, I love this scripture. If righteousness could be gained 
through the law or by following the laws and ordinances of a religion, right? Right. Then Christ died for nothing. If his part doesn't matter, oh, they'll say his part matters. We just have to add to. Whoa, well, how much do you have to add to? Right. And and does that not diminish what he did? Is is what he did not enough? Right. And that's really what it boils down to is, is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, is his shed blood, is the atonement, is that enough to totally solve my sin problem and my alienation from God? Biblical-based, grace-based Christianity says yes. What Jesus did is absolutely enough. Performance-based religions will always say, no, there's something more that you have to do in other in order to be worthy of that. Not that it isn't, not that it, you could do it without Jesus, mm-hmm. but what Jesus did only opens the door. He um, gets you started. He gives you the opportunity and um, let people know where that scripture was from you just quoted because that's so powerful. This is in Galatians. In fact, let me go back and quote a little more from second chapter of Galatians. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Wait, wait. That's from the New Testament. That's the exact opposite of what I just read from a workspace faith, right? Mm-hmm. That you're justified by the laws and the ordinances of that religion. This says you're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That is so clear. Yes. Um, And the Apostle Paul is writing to both Jews and Gentiles in this letter to the Galatians. And the whole Galatian context of the Gentiles was everything about pagan religion was all about your performance. And so Paul is saying, it doesn't matter who you are, there is no justification by works of the law. There is no being declared righteous, which is what justification means, to be declared righteous and holy. Galatians was one of the first letters written. Yes, and one of the earliest. One of the earliest. And, and uh, something I read recently said possibly 19 years after Jesus died. So you're looking at within a couple of decades from Jesus' death, the apostles had gone out and taught salvation or eternal life by faith in Jesus. Yes. And there were folks coming right behind them saying, Paul's wrong. Yes. You have to do X, Y, and Z if you want Jesus to be happy with you and save you, right? Yes. Yep. And so Paul already within two decades is having to write letters and say, no, um, you're saved by faith. Don't let other people add to that message. Right. Yeah. And and he, he hits on this over and over. Well, in those verses alone, there's like three times it says we're not justified by the works. It's by faith that we're justified. So I think you've got some additional verses here that help us. Just so people understand, this is a common thread. This is the probably the foundational teaching of the New Testament 
yes. as the writers write to people. So you find this over and over. This just isn't an isolated spot, but this is over and over the message. Galatians and Hebrews and Titus. Ephesians, and Titus, Ephes yes. Right. So um, go ahead. You've got another verse from Hebrews that's this so clear. From Hebrews says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God? Okay, so Jesus did this for us. He's completely sinless. He offers himself to God on our behalf because we're sin-filled if we have faith in him. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God, the living God. Yeah, that's who we are called to. <laughs> the and Bible calls these dead works. Right. The thing, anything that we try to do to justify ourselves, um, to merit any sort of standing of righteousness with God. Um, you've got some other verses. Let's run through these um, in the time we've got left here. Yeah, uh, six chapter Romans is a wonderful book if you want to know how God teaches that you can be right with God. It's a Romans very systematic. Through, yes. It's actually called Christians call it the Romans Road, um, kind of the journey to faith in Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is a free gift offered by Jesus Christ because he took our punishment for right. us. Romans 6.23. Yeah. So clear. And this is eternal life. This is from John 17. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So how do you gain eternal life? <laughs> To know Jesus, yes. who um, is your mediator and your way to the Father, right? Yes. Now, workspace faith is not too unusual with human beings. Unfortunately not. It appeals to our pride. There is something in every person yeah. that wants to feel like they've done something, that they've earned or put at least something into the equation so they can feel worthy of doing their part. Because it's very humbling to be told, you can do nothing. You are totally dependent on somebody else for something as significant as eternal life. And that tendency shows up. Um, I'm guessing you're going to bring up um, a Pew study. Yeah, this is a Pew <laughs> study that someone introduced me to. Um, U.S. Protestants divided over whether faith alone or faith plus good works are needed for eternal life. What do you think? Are you saved by faith alone? The New Testament is extremely clear, and it repeats over and over and over. Eternal life comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Works. If it's works, it's not faith. If it's faith, it's not works. So it's either grace or it's works, but they can't go together. Right, because grace is a free gift, and when you work, whatever you get for working is paid to you as a wage. Right. So it's so it's not so free. Earned it's earned. It. Right. Right. And and this is something that can't be earned. In the United States, folks who claim to be Christians, 62% think 
that their good deeds are necessary in addition to having faith in God in order to get to heaven. 62%. The majority of people who are Christians in the United States are not accepting what the New Testament teaches over and over and over as very clear. Yeah. They think their performance, their works, somehow needs to contribute to being right, to being acceptable to God. Yeah. You know, um, so I guess the point I'm making here is human beings have this thing where they feel like they need to do something and that something has to matter. Yes. And they can do something that matters, but they can't earn eternal right yeah eternal life is a gift and and titus um titus chapter 3 titus 3 5 says so clearly he referring to god he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom we poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Mm. So again, it's laid out so clearly. It's not by works of the law. And here it even says works of the law done in righteousness. So works of the law that you might do with good intent, that you do with a, with a good heart, even those works are cannot contribute at all to your ability to have eternal life. Jesus yes. has to be the one. His work does that. It purchases that for us. And again, our goal is to simply help people see the difference, to see that in the New Testament, eternal life is a gift. It's something that's accomplished, provided for by Jesus Christ through faith in Him. But in performance-based religion, eternal life is always something you have to earn. Yeah, certainly it's a process trying to figure these things out, right? right. And whether you can Absolutely. trust what the Bible says, etc. So we're here. Grace and peace to you until the next episode. Thanks again for joining us. So long. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.